Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. Glad you're with us. Coming up in 20 minutes, Michael McHenry, former MLB catcher and broadcaster currently. He'll join us to discuss the gobs of cash handed out, bags of cash across Major League Baseball, and uh, we'll get reaction to him on some Guys of the top signs. Guys are getting paid. Oh, yeah, they are. Um, also, we will Braves dive back in today to, the, uh, to the NFL headlines. Yes. For a guy of his position, so we'll ask him about it. Yeah, uh, we'll dive into that as well. I didn't watch a lot of Oakland A's baseball this year, Hunt, so I'm not <laughs> okay. quite familiar with this young man. No, So I'll did. ask Michael McHenry about his his playing prowess. Yes, we will we'll dive into uh, the judge contract and more. Uh, that's coming up in, in roughly 20 minutes. Uh, we, we updated this uh, to begin the show, but uh, Mississippi State University released a statement regarding the, the health status of head coach Mike Leach. They, they, they sent out uh, confirmation that he is in critical condition at the hospital at uh, the University of Mississippi Medical Center and that they would uh, provide further information on their social media account if and when necessary through the family and that they, they said they appreciated the outpouring support and that was it it does not look good uh, reports are of a heart attack uh, possible seizures uh, reports are uh, from the clarion ledger that he was possibly alone for 10 to 15 minutes while this was going on um, yeah thoughts and and well wishes to the, the family of mike leach and of course to coach um that anything that could possibly go right here does and it does not look good just based on how everyone's reacting to this job yeah terrible story and uh, we wish the best i just saw where texas tech posted a uh, swing your sword the old logo for the pirate when he was coaching at texas tech has it on their jumbotron in their stadium in texas tech with a with a message for mike leach also his former employer is uh the ravenwood quarterback here in Middle Tennessee, Chris Parson, is that his name? I believe that's yeah. right. He's committed there. And I I was told he is he's going to graduate early and go to Starkville. So it's again, it's I, I think there uh, there are plenty of people. This is all in the next week that are reaching for signing day, for early out. signing day for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. It's um man, it's it's just such a terrible story uh, that we we all saw yesterday. So Zach Arnett the defensive coordinator, they, they're not doing anything which would be insensitive to name like an interim, but there was something in there about sort of uh, assuming some of the day-to-day operational stuff yeah, of a, the program yeah. to keep continuity going yeah. with everything going on with Mike Leach right now. Troy Taylor's the new head coach at Stanford. He was one of two finalists, and the other one, I guess, Chad, you said, well, they found out Jason Garrett found out he wasn't in the job, so he <laughs> yeah. stepped away. And then Stanford waited, you know, over the weekend, and then they're going with Sacramento State's Troy Taylor as the new head coach at Stanford. The, the only time, uh, we've, by the way, I've always wanted to interview for another job at some point, mm-hmm. 
and then realize I'm not going to get the other job, but be able to come back and just say, you know, I've really decided to reaffirm my commitment <laughs> to X job. And I'm here for the long haul, and I look forward to more assignments from NBC. I look forward to getting a bigger contract to cover Notre Dame football. I look forward to my Football Night in America assignment because I really don't think if Jason Garrett's going to go down the rabbit hole of interviewing for a job like Stanford, he wanted to get back into coaching, but he got indications that Troy Taylor was going to be the choice and not him. So, again, I don't blame him for doing that. I probably would have orchestrated the same thing But I think the idea of the recommitment to NBC just sort of makes me laugh because I think that's from someone who wasn't getting the Stanford job. I don't think he turned down Stanford to stay at NBC to do Notre Dame football games. And he may get back into coaching a year from now or with another opportunity at some point, or he may be a broadcaster for the rest of his days. But I just don't buy that he took his name out of the running or turned down a job offer to stay at at NBC. The Black Knights of Army, they kicked a field goal with, what, just under two minutes to play to force overtime. The first overtime game in the history, the 123-year history of Army-Navy. And Army ends up winning. And the overtime allowed this game to hit the over for the first time since 2005. Killed me. Davey had that stat for us last week about how many times the under hits. Texting my buddies about that over the over the weekend. I had Navy minus two and a half and the under. Oh. Bigly. Oh. <laughs> I mean bigly. <laughs> and uh lost that. Once I went to overtime, I knew I was pretty much dead. I had a separate under bet then I think it was if it was going to be three if someone would have just would have kicked a field goal in overtime, the under would have stuck. So that I was rooting for that in in overtime also. And that didn't happen. Crazy, though, you know, the overtime rule was instituted in 1996 in college football. So that's still 26 years where we have not seen an overtime in the Army-Navy game. And these games always seemingly come down to a field goal. It is that close. They are tight every year to not have an overtime until this one. When Brad Nestler said that stat on Saturday during the broadcast, it made me do a double take. Great drama. Terrific finish. Not a lot of offense, as we expected no. over the course of this game. But then to watch both teams score on their first play <laughs> in overtime, it's I'm thinking, what were you holding back all game? Yeah, where was they this? just got in there. Where was this? All right, now we got the plays to go score. They, um, there have been seven ties throughout the history of the rivalry. Yeah. The last one was 81. So, you know, and that was years before overtime was instituted. But who sings last if it's a tie? The big tradition of you sing the well, alma you, mater last you if, you, feel, if you win. That's a great question. Do you sing it in unison? Do they each face their the cadets and the midshipmen and they sing together? And it's just it, very confusing with both songs going? Is it like a final uh, face-off before a, a, flip a coin? UFC fight or something where the stare-down where they don't want to move? Dana White's trying to get them to move and they just continue to stare and then eventually someone flinches and turns around? And then you allow that person to sing last? You just take a future either Delta Force or Army (laughs) Ranger on the West Point team and then a future Navy SEAL on the Navy team and they square off at at midfield. And then the winner of the fight gets to sing last for the the team. American Gladiator style. You elect your representative, we'll elect our representative, and we'll fight. Maybe as simple as a coin toss as well, too. I don't know if you watched it. The CBS Open to that was... Terrific. It's always great, man. I was, I mean, th- there's not a lot of things that will get me emotional. And for whatever reason, watching these stories 
of these guys who go and risk it all and go to one of these academies and join the service and the sacrifice gets me every time. I watched it twice because I wanted to show it to my wife Angie also afterward. I think I cried both times with the families they brought in to New York to talk about their kid, and then they turn around the videos on their their child playing in this game, talking about what it means to play for for their country and eventually fight for their country. Great work by CBS once again. Television production at its finest for that game. I love watching it every year. It's a rite of passage for the holiday season, and I thought they knocked it out of the park once again. Kudos to everyone involved. What are they going to... if? I was asked this by my uh, brother-in-law, Alex. It, what's going to happen when the college football playoff factors into this? If one of them is eligible and they need to figure out it who's in. It, it won't. You're talking about to not go against Army-Navy? No. To, uh, I'm, oh, no. If, they're, if they're one of them is eligible, if they're the highest ranked team. That's a good question. Or how do you schedule this game? Because they have this I weekend, mean, honestly, but you've, you've got... Like you have conference championship weekend, I would be all I guess for a provision. But I don't know. Here's what. Here's my solution to this: If one of those teams is in that position, you don't even factor in the outcome of the Army Navy game. They're in. They play the Army Navy game, and a week later they play in a playoff, and that game doesn't matter to them. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I mean, I'm all for a special inclusion to the United I mean, States I, Military Academy, no or it's never going to happen. First off, more than likely, it could, certainly, but I doubt that it will. But if that were to be the case, I'm all for them. You just grant them grant them amnesty into the playoff if they're there yeah. the final week of the season. And that game against Army or Navy, whichever team is in that position, doesn't factor in to the committee or to the playoff ranking. I'm fine with that, too. I'm just trying. I wonder what the rule would be. I don't know. I haven't even heard anything about this. It's a great question. It is. That's a a good question. I thought you were going to say, how do you avoid going head-to-head? No. But it's going to be the next Thursday, Friday, those games will start. Yes. But again, that's another one that you've got these teams, if they were in a playoff. They're playing Saturday. It's a fun hypothetical to think about because they will have to play the next Saturday where everyone else gets that time off leading into the playoff, right? I guess, yeah, I guess so. But, but point point is, they couldn't be put on a Thursday or Friday game. I think you'd have to put them in a Saturday game because it is said in the the announcement about the playoff they will start Thursday. Yes, there will be a playoff game Thursday, playoff game Friday, and then Saturday. They'll play it over the course of that weekend. And I, you know, the, the scheduling things too, like with the they're in Philly this year. Philly is. You know, you've got to figure out how you're going to get the stadium scheduled and booked, and they do this years in advance. And you know, if you needed to move it, I, 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 I we need to reach out and try to figure this out because I'm I'm fascinated by the troubleshooting that has to go on with this. There's another report uh, from Brett McMurphy, and this is no surprise, but you've got the uh, SEC that was saying it's 2025 for Texas and Oklahoma, and that was coming from the Big 12 that was saying that, like they're 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 committed through 2025 or through 2024, and then you've got the 2025 season for the SEC. There's a report out from McMurphy that Texas and Oklahoma are uh, looking to join early. The SEC is is considering allowing them to join early and paying that fine, which is what, what 90 million each or something for Texas and Oklahoma to join a year early to break the grant of rights. Get it done. I mean, it, that's a lot of money. That's easy for me to say. But that goes into the college football playoff, which is yeah. going to start that year. Yeah. 
I, I really, I mean, we're going to say this, you know, next year also because we'll have the last year of the Final Four a year from now. Mm-hmm. Really wish that college football 12-team playoff could have started this year. We'll say the same thing next year. Agreed. Because it's going to be another. Agreed. This is what's great about the playoff happening, though. We're going to look at another great field of 12 teams and matchups a year from now and say, boy, wouldn't it be nice to have that 12-team playoff this year? But at least now we're only two years away. Ken Niamatololo out at Navy, by the way, to tie it back in there. We hit on that earlier. And, uh, Chad, the Brock Purdy story, another part of that, his dad in the stands. Yeah. That was cool. You mentioned uh, tearing up in the open. It made me think of his his father uh, in the moment yesterday as uh, Brady and the Bucks fall thirty five seven to the Forty Nine. You see post game, literally every player is going up to Brady. Yeah, for the San Francisco, which is pretty cool. Also, when um, you know you consider, of course, he's from there, right? Yeah, and that's but just, also I'm thinking, what's the team that we talked about as a possibility for Brady, <laughs> a homecoming? Next yeah, year, if that, if that lined up. Yeah. but I, I mean, Maybe I'm the only one thinking about that. I'm like, hey, you could be talking to your future teammate and quarterback. <laughs> now, I'm also watching that game yesterday and watching Brady you know, look like he's in his mid-40s in that game and watching Brock Purdy and thinking, I, I don't know if they're going to want Brady a year from now. Yeah, the, the talent level from uh, Tampa compared to San Francisco was was evident. By the way, um, we're going to get into NFL injuries later this hour, but Debo Samuel went off in that game while we were on the air yesterday here locally doing our NFL postgame show. And Chad, it looked bad. It turns out it's not as bad as it could be. He could be back as early as it looks appears to be a high ankle sprain. Oh. So back as early as the playoffs for Debo Samuel. I, I would say high ankle sprain earliest would be the first round of the playoffs. That That's one that yep. he's not going to play until playoff games. But you're right in that that's way more hopeful than done for the season, that he could possibly get back if, in fact, that's what it is. And for all the discussion about Purdy and the offense and the 35 points, because they put on a show, the San Francisco defense – Adding in the seven points, and I hit on this in one big thing last week, they've allowed 64 total points in their six-game win streak now. That is elite. And that was also a tie-in for Purdy because he's practicing against that group every week, that first-string defense as the scout team quarterback because with Garoppolo and early in the season with Trey Lance, it was Purdy that was getting those reps against, against the defense. So... Um, I, I'm sure it helped him, but he's confident, man. He is um, some moxie about. Yeah, him. he's he's extremely comfortable within that offense, and that there is there's something to the Shanahan style that fits a lot of these quarterbacks and what they do best. Now, it has not translated for Trey Lance, but whenever Trey Lance was drafted, it didn't matter if it was Trey Lance or Mac Jones. Where if he was going to be paired with Kyle Shanahan, oh, this guy's going to be successful. Well, and I also think it's it's a, a little unfair to say it hasn't worked for Trey Lance just simply because of his injury situation. Did not look good in the snapshots that we saw no. with Trey Lance, but that's also not to say that Shanahan's not good enough to start getting an increasing return well, on investment with not him. Not just snapshots, though. It's reports out of San Francisco that all offseason he was put in position to be a leader, and he was, and then training camp rolled around and preseason games rolled around, and it did not look good. And they're going, man, is this guy the guy? Even when Peter King was out there, he's, he's asking those questions as he made his tour. And then we saw Chicago, albeit 
Justin Fields was also awful then. He turned into um, Pretty a, good player. a playmaker yeah. uh, for Chicago's offense. Coming up, we've got Michael McHenry. Some pretty good players making elite money, the best money with these contracts in Major League Baseball. Um, teams handing out bags of cash to stars, superstars, and honestly, some role players. We'll get Michael McHenry's take on who got the best bang for their buck at the winter meetings where there was a ton of movement across MLB. That's next on Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Outkick kick 360 rolls on. Look, every year we go crazy as sports media in general with some of these NFL contracts, you know, when it's free agent season. And I, I have to tell people, like, guys, cool it. Wait for the winter meetings. And, you know, and then you've got Aaron Judge who bets on himself and then just gets the bag. But here's the thing. So many players did. Would you start looking at these numbers? Michael McHenry with us. Michael, uh, did you ever feel as uh, as though you, you know what? I got the bag today from the Pittsburgh Pirates or uh, the, the organizations, the way some of these guys have felt uh, over the weekend? A bag? Maybe they've got a Brinks truck. Well, that's fair. I mean, these guys are just getting paid. I know. Never seen anything like it. And all the talk that they've been saying about, oh, the game's in trouble. We got to change this. We got to change that. It's all BS. I mean, these guys are getting paid. The game is doing well. And it's obviously been seen almost a billion dollars given away at the winter meetings. It's been remarkable. Michael McHenry with us, MLB analyst, former Major League Baseball catcher. I'm curious as a uh, the player group that's not in a contract year, what is this past week like? As numbers start rolling through, is it our text chain? Or are the agents going crazy? I know there's there's some main guys there. Um, are you comparing news and notes with what the contracts may look like and the fully guaranteed money for your position? What how what's it like? I mean, there's a lot of chatter. I mean, you think about the agents; they're releasing false information. They're doing everything <laughs> they can to kind of get their guy into the the talk. I mean, Brian Reynolds is a great example. 
that man, I know him. I think the world of him. I do not believe he actually went out and said, hey, I want to get traded. That's not like him. He's a guy that's a competitor. He's going to take it one day at a time, one step at a time. He's going to wait for his turn, and he's under contract going to next year. So that's kind of what you're going to see happen. You're going to see a lot of buzz, a lot of different things. Not sure if it's true, if it's real. You kind of have to look a little bit deeper and kind of find out what's really going on. But these agents are hungry. I mean, they're getting four or five percent of these contracts. So they're going to do whatever they can. And don't think the MLB teams aren't doing the same thing. They're throwing out information, trying to see what's out there. We just saw a huge trade going to the Atlanta Braves and a catcher, the second best catcher, in my opinion, in all baseball behind Romuto, if you look at the numbers. So the reality of it is, is no one's safe, whether you're a free agent, whether you're a guy that's you know under team control for the next four or five years. The reality of it is, if the price is right, things are going to happen. Let's talk about that Braves trade. Sean Murphy coming over from the A's. Uh, admittedly, I didn't watch a lot of A's baseball this season, but I do find it interesting <laughs> that every report has Braves trade for Sean Murphy and not anything about Contreras going to the Brewers, which tells me the Braves upgraded at catcher by sending Contreras as part of this three-team trade to the Brewers, Sean Murphy to the Braves. Michael, this position you played in the majors. What can you tell us about Murphy from the A's? I mean, you look at Murphy's numbers over the last couple of years. Still young. He's 28 years old. He's under control through 2025. He's only going to be $3 million for the payroll. You look at the Braves payroll. They want to increase it. They haven't really made a splash. This is a splash. But what surprised me, I thought Contreras was really, really good behind the plate. I thought he hit the ball well last year. I thought you saw some growth. And obviously, if you look what his brother's done, it's really impressive. I think the Brewers actually came out on top in this trade. I think the Braves kind of dished out. They got some return, but it may it may take a little while to see what that has to hold. But if you look at it deeper, though, I was kind of I was kind of impressed. Thirteen runs saved over his uh, over last year defensively, top ten in the major leagues in almost every defensive category. He's got forty six homers over his three year career. He's hitting thirty. Uh, 236, 326 on base percentage and 429 slugging. You put him in Atlanta, it's going to play a little bit better. The home runs are going to go up. It's going to be a better lineup, and he's going to play winning baseball. So this guy may take a huge step forward, and we're going to get to see the best two catchers in all of baseball in the same division. That's just fun for me. You were consistent that the best spot, both financially for Aaron Judge and from a play standpoint, was going to be staying with the Yankees. That's what happens he signs a $360 million contract. Now that the dust is settled, what do you make of Aaron Judge in this long-term deal to stay in New York? I heard something really cool this past week. I was at Pirates Fantasy Camp. If you don't know what that is, look it up. It's absolutely outstanding. You're going to see a pure love of the game where 75-year-olds are beating it down the line, pulling hamstrings, blowing Achilles. I saw a split finger, not a pitch, but an actual split finger. The guy pitched the same day after he got stitches. Unreal. But I heard a story down there from another player. His, his agent is with Judge, and he said Judge called the Yankees. Not, not the GM, not the president, called the owner. Told him the offer. said, this is what I want. Give it to me. I want to be a Yankee, and that's exactly what happened. And that's that's what baseball is all about. You, you, you start to have that dynamic with whether it be the owner, president, GM, that where you can call them and just say, hey, this is what I'm looking for. I want to end my career here. It started here. It's special to me. This past year was something that I couldn't draw up in an in, in absolute fantasy. And I want to try to continue forward, win a championship, and make sure that my number is retired next to all these greats. I mean, that's the special part about being a Yankee. I mean, the tradition, 
the history to it, and you're a huge part of it, why would you want to leave? And the man's going to get 40 plus million dollars a year over the next nine years into the 41 year season. Come on. What, what else could you ask for right there? Braves fans not excited to see Trey Turner back in the NL East. He was a mm-hmm. Braves killer with the Nats. He signs 11-year, $300 million deal with the Phillies to come back to the NL East and turns down even more money from the Padres, apparently, according to one report with this. What, what do you think about Trey Turner and his, his mixing in now with a really talented Phillies roster? You know, listen to his press conference and him talking about going back where, you know, he knows some guys, you know, obviously he knows Harper play with them, but he he sees what's happening in Philadelphia. So what happened last year, the camaraderie and that culture that they built is going to draw free agents there. And two, just having that familiarity on the East Coast, wanting to be on the East Coast because of family means a lot. I think that's showing, you know, kind of how everyone is, you know, started to sign. I mean, yeah, we've had San Diego make splash. LA is really quiet. Sam Fran's not getting what they're, what they're maybe thinking they were going to, especially Judge. I mean, they're throwing out $400 million at these guys, and they're choosing to take less money, maybe a year or two extra, to go to the East Coast. It's saying a lot on, on kind of where guys want to be, what they see, the culture dynamic, and maybe even just the front office, the way they can have attacked players in the past. It's saying a lot about the game of baseball, in my opinion. Michael McHenry, our guest, Major League Baseball analyst, as well as a former catcher, um, curious as we as we look through the the notable free agent signings with at least the ten million dollar annual average in value, what stands out to you as which team do you feel like got the best bang for their buck based on the big money that was dealt and, and handed out last week? Man, that is a great question. I would say probably Cleveland getting Josh Bell for thirty three million dollars. He's a guy that's going to really bolster that lineup. It's somebody that can kind of jump right in the middle. It's only a two-year commitment. I think it's amazing to me some of the the, the lengths of these contracts. If you, if you kind of look, guys are going to get into their 38, 39, 40-year-old season. I know Pujols did something absolutely spectacular this past year. That's not normal. I mean, you think about Trey Turner. This guy's going to be outstanding over the next five, six years. But when the speed starts to go, it's the first thing that starts to kind of deteriorate. How's that going to be? You get Xander Bogarts. How's he going to be over – you know, 10 years from now, 11 years from now, I'd say, Diego, it's not easy kind of playing over that fog of that 60 degree weather. It's 80 degrees during BP. It falls down. Guys get beat up out there. So the reality of it is, is those links of contracts going to hurt. I, I think in the long run, there's not a lot of good track record. But with that being said, you look at Verlander, $43 million. Max Scherzer, $43 million. Both going to be 39 going into their 40-year-old season. So it's, it's the reality that you got to look at. I think LeBron James, Brady, Pools have changed the game when it comes to age, but we'll see. I mean, it's ebb and flows in this game. It's ebb and flow in sports. Things seem to change. We're going really, really young. When you, when you look at some of these guys that are coming up and Tatis and whatnot at 20, 21 years old, but they're also kind of going lengthy and long because that's the only way to grab these free agents. So DeGrom out, and we'll talk about his destination momentarily. Verlander in for the Mets. Their rotation averages 34 years of age. Does the age of that starting rotation, even though they're very good and talented and have done a lot in this league, does that concern you at all if you're a Mets fan? It should. I mean, the reality of it is, Serger didn't pitch every game last year. Verlander's going into his year two after that Tommy John. Even though he took it slow and he's a guy that stayed healthy for the most part over his his years, 
And then the signing they just had from Japan, that guy's never thrown over 150 innings. And that, that's kind of what happens when guys come over from Japan. They pitch every six days, even though he's throwing 102. I mean, we saw what happened to the old great one in Otani. He wasn't able to withstand kind of the, the wear and tear of a major league season. It's completely different. So there's going to be a lot of balance. I think the one thing I, that surprised me is they didn't go out, make sure that they got Bassett back. That guy is just an absolute workhorse. There'd be a great sign and a great feel in there. So the Mets, I think, have really just even the kill of exactly where they were last year. They still need a bat maybe to jump in the middle of that lineup to make sure that they're protected with Lindor and the big polar bear. If they don't do that, they're going to rely a ton on that pitching. They've lost some guys in the bullpen. They've spent a ton of money on David Robinson and $10 million. I thought he was outstanding. I love the guy, but he did it for one year. Can you do it again? That's the question because you're only as good as your last game pitched. You're only as good as that next game you're actually going to walk out there and do it. So he's very, very good right now, but let's see where it goes. And there's a lot of money committed for a long time, so they're taking a huge risk. We're with the Fort. Michael McHenry with us on Outkick 360. Chad and I were talking last week about, um, man, plenty of team at Mets, Yankees. Uh, Of course, you've got the uh, San Francisco Giants that spent some money. But the Padres were in on a lot of players, and they end up with, with Bogarts. But they've been willing to spend for a while now. What do you make of their mentality? And, you know, when, when I think of the big spenders in Major League Baseball, I, and I think I'm in the majority here, I don't think of the Padres in like the top five teams. But yet they're named and they're willing to put offers out there. They were in on Judge. We certainly know their lineup. They had Bogarts. What are they doing? Aside from just spending a ton of money, what are they setting up and what are the expectations? I mean, I think the reality of it is getting Tatis back. They're one of the best teams in all of baseball immediately. I know he felt his drug test can be back in April. The reality of that, putting that guy in left field, as athletic as he is, and putting uh, Bogarts at shortstop, who is, in my opinion, one of the smartest guys and just a baseball savvy dude. That baseball IQ is something that's been lost, in my opinion, over the last couple of years. Guys just go out, they chase numbers. They don't read the game. This guy reads the game. He's a teammate. Even his interview that he had, it was just absolutely outstanding about you know, putting your ego aside, doing what you have to do. If they told him to move to second base, he's going to move there in a heartbeat. But the the cool thing about that team is they see what's happening with L.A. They see what San Francisco has and what they've kind of wanted to do over this next maybe year or two by rebuilding. They've gotten rid of a ton of money and they have a ton of money to spend. They do not want to be the third team in California. They do not want to see themselves looking up at San Fran and L.A. anymore. I think you look back at that 2020 season when L.A. came out on top and they tried to, you know, kind of fiddle a little bit. They paid Hosmer, show that they had that money. But ever since that signing, it didn't go the way they wanted to. Great guy. Didn't put up the big numbers that they expected. Now that they got him off the books, it seems like they're pushing all their chips in and saying, we're going in, we're doing this, we're paying the guys we like. But I think they've done a really good job setting themselves up, especially with pitching. If they can stay healthy on the mound, good things are going to happen for them going forward. As far as free agents remaining at each position, who stands out to you as maybe the player that you're you're next to see the domino fall with or a position group that will set the bar for the other players available? I'm very. I'm obviously being a catcher. Very interested in that market. Turner to Miami just doesn't seem right. I feel like he's going to go back to LA. They need him in that lineup. They were one of the best lineups in all of baseball. But the one guy that stands out, and I got to say it because one, we're talking to a lot of people that are Braves fans, is where is Dansby Swanson going to end up? It's either going to in my in my humble opinion, 
he's either going to be a Cub, a Cardinal, or a Brave. Mm. And I'm very interested to see two of those affect, you know, my job a lot being being a Pirates analyst. You know, if the, if the Cubs get him, that's a huge splash. I think they've already had a pretty good uh, offseason and getting Bellinger. It's going to be a fun team to watch. They had a really good rotation. Almost every single guy was under a four, if not under a three, five. So they're going to be sneaky good. And St. Louis obviously has already made a huge splash, getting the best catcher available in Contreras. So I think Dansby Swanson, personality-wise, fits in all three places. I don't care what anybody says. You lose that guy, his leadership, his energy, and everything he brings to the table. As good as uh, the kid is, it's going to replace him. He has a very short tenure in the big leagues. It's going to hurt the Braves. You know, I, I know they talk about, well, they replaced Freeman. They were able to overcome that. They were good. Yeah, but the reality of it is they didn't win the World Series. Freeman did win the World Series. You've got to look at it for what it is and say, hey, this guy's special. He's homegrown, but there's a lot of reasons for him to go to St. Louis. He's, he's going to be between two of the best infielders in the last decade in Goldschmidt and Arenado. Why not? They need a shortstop. And the Cubs, I mean, his girl's there. He's got a lot of reasons to go to Chicago, and, man, will they fall in love with him. So the Braves, you know, I hope they step up, and I hope he's a Brave for life. So Jacob DeGrom goes to the Rangers, and right or wrong, when I see the Rangers pay big money for someone, I think someone's going there to lose a lot of baseball games. <laughs> same, same way I feel about the Angels, quite frankly. They're in the same category to me. They, they shell out a lot of money for a free agent, and you go there and you are hidden from the rest of the baseball world because you're not going to be relevant during your tenure there. Am I wrong about this move with the Rangers? Are they on the verge of something better do you think Jacob DeGrom changes that Rangers franchise in any way? If he stays healthy, he's the best pitcher in baseball. So, yes, he could, but he's got to stay healthy. I mean, that's the biggest key. He's going to go under into Texas. He's going to play in a different division. He's going to have, you know, the opportunity to play indoors more often, you know, with, with both you know, the Rangers and Houston being able to pull back that roof. So the reality of it is, it's like it may be better for him. I, I, I'm not sure yet. I hope he stays healthy when he's pitching. It's always better for baseball. And yes, you're right with the angels and Texas. It seems like they kind of go all in and nothing really maybe comes to fruition, but they didn't have that run where they were like the bills of baseball, where they just couldn't seem to get over the top. It seemed like they're in the world series year after year. They put good teams together. Now it's time for them to go over the top and don't think the angels aren't done. They're going to go get some pitching. They're going to do some things. It's the last year they have, with Otani, he's going to be a free agent after this year, and the money that he's going to be thrown is going to be remarkable. They're also you know, changing ownership. When you change ownership, you see some weird things happen because they know, hey, this is our last opportunity. It's our last chance. So it's going to be a very interesting division and never count out the A's, never count out any of those guys. But Houston Astros coming off a World Series win, they're so good. It's going to be very, very tough in the AL period to, to walk alongside the Yankees and the Astros, those two teams are just going to be absolutely stacked. It's all about the cash, but is is there a story that, that you've heard or witnessed about icing on the cake that got a guy to sign? I haven't yet. If I do, I'll let you know. Okay. I think the reality of Trey Turner being really upfront and honest early on, saying he wanted to be a Philly, and that was in the rumors, and knowing that you know, some of those guys were calling him right from day one of free agency. Hey, we want you. You fit perfect. And it seemed like Philly just pushed all their chips in. 
to me, that's so cool because you know that Harper and those guys were talking to the front office. And when that owner went up to Harper during, I believe is the NL division series and said, I underpaid you. That spoke a lot. I think every MLB player saw that and said, man, that's the guy I want to play with. I've never heard a guy say that, right? Like you, you, you get 20% return on your investment, man. I underpaid you right there. No, they're not going to say that. Just at the end of the day, they're just going to say, man, I did really good and pat themselves on the back. That guy was humble, put his ego aside, went up to Harper and said, thank you. And that, that means a lot to MLB players when, when owners can just kind of look outside themselves and say, Hey, you guys are the ones on the field. I gave you a ton of money and I, I regret not giving you more. That's special. So I would say that was the biggest story for me. When you look at what that moment meant, and kind of who they've signed and guys seemingly kind of falling in line early because I haven't seen a winter meetings like this in the last maybe 14, 15 years. I don't remember last time all these signings happened. Usually you have Boris guys pushing down the line, signing late, almost into spring training. These guys are ready to go. They want to sign and big money's being thrown at them. Follow Michael McHenry on social media at the Fort McHenry. Um, Thank you, Mike. Always good to catch up with you, man. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. And uh, we'll catch up soon. Great insight. Hey, absolutely, guys. Thank you. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Merry Christmas, Michael. Thank you. Uh, To Michael and the family there, Michael McHenry has been our guest. It's going to be a very Merry Christmas for a lot of these guys who just got paid. Yeah. And then once they get back to the locker room, is there like an unwritten rule you think about dinners and parties based on the money? Or do you think they just straight up? You know, Baseball guys are very good about not spilling the tea so to speak <laughs> or in michael's uh, another one of those guys michael's good about not coffee, i mean yeah. whatever's going on they don't talk about it because they are out so many nights of the year especially if you're a starting pitcher yeah. that pitches once a week and you're out of town and you got other guys that might be able to get out get out yeah. of town with you a little bit there's not a lot of talk amongst that fraternity of of what happens on these road trips and what who pays for dinners and all of that. They're pretty tight-lipped. Yeah, you're right. It's a great point. Great observation, Chad. Yeah, smart group. You've been digging on the uh, the financials. I've been trying to. I've been working on a book deal for years to get all the behind-the-scenes stories, and I just keep getting turned down at, at every single turn. So hopefully I can get someone to talk on the record. Uh, on the record is uh, the uh, Baltimore Ravens quarterback injury concerns, and John Harbaugh normally just tells it like it is when it comes to Lamar Jackson's injury status. And now he's got Tyler Huntley in concussion protocol. We'll start there and we'll go around the league with the biggest injury concerns for now week 15. Maybe it's your fantasy team, your favorite team, or the team that your team is playing. We've got the update for you next on OutK360. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, 360 rolls on. Chad, are you with me that Cincinnati is going to eventually catch Baltimore? Do they continue to win these tight, tight games? They, they have, they found a run game yesterday against Pittsburgh. Baltimore did. I have no idea how they haven't caught them already. 
Yeah. Uh, and it's going to happen very quickly now, especially considering the injury info I mean, I think that so. you're about to, to give yeah. to us, I, I would think. I mean, it, just considering the the rash of injuries across the league, and it was, we'll start with Lamar Jackson, who continues to rehab, but you also now have Huntley in concussion protocol, and so now they enter a week where they've got to figure out what's going to... I mean, the benefit for Baltimore, though, is they, they can run it. And Harbaugh said in a 16-14 game yesterday over Pittsburgh, we found our run game. Our run game showed up and, and led us to a win. And that's the one thing that they can hang their hat on week in and week out with Huntley, with Lamar Jackson. You know, the headlines last week, no, no Lamar Jackson, no problem. And that's a 10-9 win over Denver that we're talking about. It's a problem. I mean, I, look, it's, if it's not a problem, then Lamar Jackson ultimately is a problem. If you can go from a guy who won MVP in this league to a backup and then a third-string guy and say, no Lamar Jackson, no problem. I understand that the Ravens are built different than a lot of NFL teams. That's a, that's a problem, though, for that team moving forward. And Cincinnati's not going anywhere. They're only getting better. The concussions yesterday, Kenny Pickett and Russell Wilson, man. The way he was knocked out on the field and just the look of the just the camera angle of his oh, it was awful. It looks I mean, I see guys, you know, UFC get knocked out all the time. I and these these quarterbacks that are getting it, it, Traylon Burks, another well, one. The, the whole uh, it week all ago. started with Tua, you know, earlier this year with the scary moment with him, and that, that brought a lot of discussion around quarterbacks and concussions and football again. And we've seen a number of those this year. It's it's been wild to watch. The Kenny Pickett one to me was the most egregious because of the way he was thrown yeah. to the turf off of his head. Yeah, and I mean, because he's thrown down and he's it's slung down in a way where we've seen you know Chris Jones and others earlier this year throws Tom Brady down or whatever, and you see the the, the flags thrown and it's immediate controversy. See, I I feel I know this is not easy. We talked about you know possible rules to stop people faking injury earlier. I would propose anytime you have to stop the game because of in injury, you have to sit out three plays. So that way, if you're actually hurt, you're hurt, and you have to sit out plays no matter what. And if you're not, it's a penalty to you because you faked an injury and you can't come right back in the game. If you are a player, I want to do away with the chintzy personal fouls and late hits and roughing the passer calls that we've all seen over and over again on a loop that are terrible at times. But if you do something like that, and you willfully take out a quarterback with a concussion or an injury because of a bad hit, I think you should be ejected from the game. Quarterback sits, you sit. As long as he's out, you're out. That simple. So whoever you are, if you knock someone out of the game in that fashion, the way Kenny Pickett got knocked out of the game, being slammed to the turf, and if you're watching, you'll be able to see exactly what we're talking about with a photo of him being slammed to the turf. As long as Kenny Pickett is out with concussion, you're out of the game. Simple to me. Yeah, the other injuries of note, Debo Samuel with an ankle injury, and we're hearing from Shanahan, he expects that, that Debo will be able to play most likely a high ankle sprain, and that the timeline of that puts them back and one of their top players that they've invested in this offseason um, would be back by the postseason in, in a month or so. Mike White. With the rib injuries, I, there there is a quality of Justin Herbert that I still think about when I see him play now. That he played through what was the week two 
week one, I believe, the injury concerns of week one or week two in prime time. Uh, they, it was the first Thursday night football game uh, on Amazon. And the that stuck with me, the toughness angle. And I think that I think that absolutely carries over in an NFL locker room, especially at quarterback. And when you, Chad made the comparison, and it's, it's a great one, Mike White to what we've seen from Zach Wilson at the podium. And the, the toughness that is involved in that, that rings across a locker room whenever you're in the, the cutthroat time of NFL playoff matchups and trying to get in and scratch and climb. You want to fight for that guy. And yesterday, the elements, the Bills were knocking him around, and he, he wasn't having it. He was not. Joe Flacco came in for a brief, brief period to relieve Mike White. Mike White came back twice, then immediately went to the hospital after the game. You love it. Because everyone in the locker room, you just assume, oh, the quarterback's the diva. The quarterback's not as tough as we are. And when you can see a quarterback being that tough and being hospitalized and coming back from it and continuing to get back up, that's always going to endear yourself to your offensive line, to your defense, to everyone out there. And Zach Wilson did the opposite with his postgame comments earlier this year. Now, Zach Wilson can come back from it. He apologized for it. And he did a good job of talking about mm-hmm. why he was wrong to react that way after a loss. But Mike White's not having to apologize for anything right now. No. And that's... No. That's a... I don't know that that's a great sign for the Jets organization because it puts them more into a conundrum with the number two overall pick. But it's a great sign for this team right now that's making a playoff push. Josh Bell, it seems, is the starting right tackle now for the Dallas Cowboys because Terrence Steele... Uh, has a torn ACL and MCL. He left the game yesterday against the Texans and, of course, done for the season. So now Josh Bell, the, the backup reserve offensive lineman swing guy, he's your starting right tackle for the Dallas Cowboys. This is uh, a week or two, I believe, since Anthony Brown, one of the corners, um, suffered well, another starter, suffered an Achilles injury. So he's done for the year as well. And that was, uh, yeah, that was against the Colts in, in week 13. Another one to watch there on a good team, a playoff team that now has one of their backup offensive linemen in the starting lineup for the run game and for pass protection against some really good pass rushes that they're going to be facing in postseason play. By the way, Cowboys signed T.Y. Hilton. Bringing in the veteran. It's, yep, they didn't get the one we all thought they Need might because of injury problems, but T.Y. Hilton makes sense. Headlines next. <laughs> 